Thank you for checking out the Detroit Church Podcast. We are a growing community in the heart of the city, and we exist to awaken Detroit to the greatest adventure of all time. We look forward to sharing this journey as God is making all things new. Well, good afternoon, Detroit Church. All right. Real quick before I get started, I just want to share a couple of thank yous. One, I need everybody to look back here where you see the clock and just say thank you to this crew who's running all the audio and all the media today. They have one of those jobs where when everything goes right, it seems like very few people notice. But when the smallest thing goes wrong, everybody turns around like. And so sometimes it's a thankless job and I want to make sure that we thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Also, for all the people who are here, all the men and women who are here every Sunday morning, Sunday after Sunday at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning, putting all these chairs out, thank you so much for your faithful service and everything that you are doing to help out with what is going on at Detroit Church. I also just want to say thank you to my pastor uh, for giving me the opportunity to just share some of the things that God in his wisdom and grace and patience has helped me to learn throughout my, uh, we'll say, challenging uh, life, I guess we'll say. I don't want to make it sound challenging like... uh, Like, I've lived incredibly rough, but I say challenging, like, I can be hard-headed sometimes. And his grace and his patience have been amazing with me. Um, The song or the old hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's take a moment and just look to God. Father, we thank you for this Sunday that you have blessed us to see. We thank you for this day that it appears with as full as the church is that everyone brought their father today. And we thank you for the fact that they are all here gathered with us. God, I just want to ask that as we go further in this time, that you would help the message that you've put on my heart to be one that helps people in their lives. Lord, let us learn together today. Let us laugh together today. And should we happen to cry together today, Let it fertilize the great things that you have coming forward for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 If you can give me just one second because I forgot to do the thing where you have to put your password in. All right, as was mentioned in the introduction, I work on a college campus, so I am surrounded by college students on a daily basis, and I absolutely love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. But the last two days, there has been this thing going on because Jay-Z and Beyonce released a brand new album. I won't ask anybody if they've heard it yet, but what I will say is it has been all that college students have been talking about. But when I was a child, I was born January 20th, 1981, there was a musical artist who it didn't matter if you were black, if you were white, if you were Hispanic, Latino, if you were from Asia, if you were from Africa, if you happened to somehow live in Antarctica, or were just visiting from outer space for a little while, his music shaped your life. Of course, I'm talking about the artist Michael Jackson. Now... It didn't matter if it was beat it or if it was bad, if it was smooth criminal or if it was, I want to rock with you. Clap. You got to get the clap in there. Uh, (laughs) See, I see some people in the back snapping and going on to the next part. You can go ahead. I see you. Go ahead. 
But Michael Jackson made some of the music that shaped an entire generation of people, much like Jay-Z and Beyonce are shaping a generation now. However, as many fond memories as I have of Michael Jackson and his music, I have to confess that there was one particular Michael moment that left me scarred for life. Some of you may already see where I'm going with this and may know what I'm about to talk about. But when I was a five or six year old child, there was nothing that was more frightening than the thriller video. As soon as you heard, it just petrified me. I have no idea what it was about contemporary zombie choreography that scared me so much. But those things just... <laughs> My wife knows the whole routine and I've asked her not to do it because it scares me. But it left me scared. And my parents knew this, and God bless all the parents in the room, this is Father's Day, but parents are great, but inevitably at some point you leave a mark on your child that you wish you would not have done that. Now, that mark with my parents happened to be when they learned that I was scared of the Thriller video. And so they put it on, and I screamed, no! Back when they used to call me Kiefer Weefer. Don't anybody call me that now. But they would play that and I would scream and then they would turn it up louder because they thought it was funny and I would scream. No! And then they turned it up louder and I found myself running back to my bedroom to try to escape the sound of Michael Jackson and that daggone thriller video. I remember hiding between the bed and the wall and hoping that it would just go away. And it never went away well, until they shut it off. But it left a mark on me that has kind of stuck with me in a lot of different ways. To this day, I don't know about anybody else, but I do not do horror movies. I tried to conquer this fear one time in my life and I called a friend of mine who I knew absolutely loved horror movies. And so I found this movie that I heard wasn't quite too scary, but fit in the scary movie category. And it was called The Crazies. Some people have seen this movie. It was weird because The Crazies reminded me of a town that was about 10 minutes away from where I grew up in Illinois. And so it hit home a little bit more. Now, there's another reason that I asked this particular friend to come along with me. Because if you know me, you know I always am relating things to music, movies, or metaphors. So there's a scene in this other movie called Menace to Society. Now, there's two characters in Menace to Society. You got Cain, and you got Old Dog. And there was a scene in the movie where Cain got a little upset with something that was going on. And he looked at Old Dog and said, hey, dog, you strapped? And Dog looked back, some of you got it already. Dog looked back at him and said, you know it. So I asked this friend who likes horror movies to come along with me because I know he also has a concealed carry permit. And if anything was to pop off in that theater, I knew that that friend would be there with me to have my back in that day. And that friend is here today, so I thank God for them too. Um, but, you know, I went, I don't think they're carrying right now. I'm just saying this. They are here today. So, 
Um, I realized that it wasn't just scary movies that messed with me. Frightful situations left me shaky. Like, we bought a new house last year, and I remember I forgot. I remember that I forgot. Yeah, that works. I remember I forgot to switch DTE over to our new address. And I came home a week later, and there was an alarm going off, but there was no power in the house. And I'm like, do we have a, an alarm? Because I didn't know, right? It's a new house. So I'm sitting outside waiting, and my wife gets home, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, there's no power in the house. I'm not going in there. Now, my wife, God bless her, she's from the east side of Detroit. It's not a whole lot that scares my wife at all. She walks up in the house like, boy, quit tripping. Goes and sees what's going on. And while I'm on the phone with DTE, still standing outside looking like a fool because I'm a little scared of certain situations. All right? So I guess I have a confession to make before you that I'm already making. And that confession is this. I am a scary dude. Now, when I say scary dude, I hear some people laughing. I know that you probably already know that I do not mean the Merriam-Webster definition of scary dude. I mean scary as in the urban dictionary definition of scary dude. So Merriam-Webster would be one who instills fear in others. Urban dictionary would be one who is easily scared or frightened by other situations. And I am a scary dude. And I have to be honest with you all and be transparent. As a Christian, that's a struggle. Because there are so many examples in the Bible that tell us what? Fear not. That fear and faith don't mix. And that God can't move where fear abides. These are all things that I've heard and that have heard, heard, heard and have been in my ears throughout my adult life. And I've struggled with that. There's so many examples. Let's look at the first example of fear. Oh, by the way, before we get into that, I had this meme that I was supposed to use. So this, that whole thriller story I told, this is the graphic representation of that for me. Let's go back to the verse. So the first verse that we're going to take a look at is 2 Timothy 2 and 17, which says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, if you grew up in, we'll just say Pentecostal churches in the 1990s, you know they wrote a song about this one. This is, God has not given us the spirit of fear. What? So you know the song, right? And if in the 90s you would say, man, that song was bumping. And they would play the song all the time. And it was cool when you were at church. It was cool when you were singing it on your own. But when life got real, sometimes the song just wasn't enough. For example, I know that I recently had an experience where I woke up in the middle of the night. And I had a pain in my chest the likes of which I had never felt before. And I'm like, Lord, what is going on? Because I am 37 years old and heart attacks are not supposed to, supposed to happen to guys like me. 
but the pain was in my chest. It was strong. I could feel it in my shoulder. I could feel it in my arm. And I sat there in the bedroom trying very hard not to wake my wife up. Because in the same way that I am, uh, well, we'll say this. I didn't want to wake my wife up because that's not a good thing. So I was trying my hardest not to do that, and I'm in pain, and those whispers start speaking to me. Keith, you know your grandfather had a heart attack. You know all four of your grandparents had heart attacks. You know your father had a heart attack, and just last year, your father had a triple bypass. So who were you to think that this can't happen to you? And I started to just get frightened and overwhelmed. And I'm a typical American male. I do not like going to the doctor. So it had been a while since I had been to the doctor. But that scared me into going to go see the doctor on that day. Now, I do have a praise report in the sense of this. I've been meeting with the doctor. I've had an EKG. I've had a stress test. And thank God we figured out that it's not anything wrong with my heart. But it's something that is wrong with like an acid reflux type situation that I deal with sometimes in the middle of the night. So we're going to figure that out. But thank God it wasn't the thing that I was scared of. But also with other health issues, I am completely the guy who when something is wrong, I will know that it is never a good idea to look at WebMD and try to diagnose myself. But I will still look at WebMD and try to figure out what's going on and then end up feeling like I got cancer. I'm going to die tomorrow. And that's just the way that my brain works. I'm a really creative dude, but one of the drawbacks to being creative is that when you are creative, you can create crazy scenarios for yourself in your head sometimes, too. It's a thin line between creative and crazy. But what I will say is this. So it's tough because I see this verse, and I'm like, Lord, I hear you, but I'm struggling in this reality right here. Another example of where the Bible tells us not to fear is Isaiah 41 and 10 where it says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Now, I know God upholds me in a lot of ways, but there are just some personal insecurities that I have and that I have to deal with. And that I'm not complaining about, but I'm just admitting that I deal with them. Now this first part is a little bit to be funny, but a little bit to be serious. Uh, my wife is here today. And I absolutely love this woman. Babe, if you could just throw your hand up one time, really quickly. She doesn't like to be put on the spot like that. But if you happen to see her uh, wave her hand, what you noticed is that there's this white guy on stage. And there's a black woman in the audience who raised her hand. So yes, we are interracially married. Now, as an interracial couple, I understand that there is this saying that tells us that black don't crack. I have this intense fear that my wife will be 60 years old looking 27 and I will be 60 years old looking 87. <laughs> and that I'm going to have to be 60 years old defending myself in my marriage because people don't believe anyway. You know what I'm saying, okay? But I'm also completely the dad from Finding Nemo. I have two sons. You know what I'm talking about. The dad from Finding Nemo was always like, get back from there. Get down from there. You're going to get hurt. Don't do this. Don't do that. Because it's going to be danger. Ah! 
And that's me as a father. And I struggle because, again, the Bible tells me what was right there on the screen. But the Bible tells me in Isaiah 41 and 10 to fear not. Let's look at Joshua 1 and 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, Lord, I thank you for the verse and I hear you, but you got to understand something. Isn't it wild how we tell God what he's got to understand sometimes? You got to understand that I've been a lot of places. I was born and spent the first 16 years of my life in the Catholic Church. I then transitioned to the Church of God in Christ for about the next 10, 11, 12 years. After the Church of God in Christ, I transitioned into the Assemblies of God. Two or three years there from the Assemblies of God to the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee, not Anderson, Indiana. The ones that they make jokes about people playing with snakes in service sometimes. Weird experience, but I thank God for it. What I will say is this. Now I'm here in a non-denominational movement. It can be hard when you've had experiences where the people that you thought were supposed to help you end up being the people that hurt you. When you find yourself in a church situation where you're experiencing church hurt and where you want to open yourself up because that's what you're supposed to do in a church environment, but because of the experiences that you've had, you're afraid of opening yourself to ever be hurt like you were there or by those people or in that particular sanctuary. And it can be hard sometimes to dive all the way into ministry when this is one of the fears that you have. So while I have all these examples, I have another example that I want to take a look at really quickly that has helped me tremendously as I've wrestled with this reality that I am a scary dude and that I have these fears that I struggle with. When we look at the story of Gideon in Judges 6 and Judges 7, we see God deal with somebody who is very fearful in everything that they're doing. We see God deal with somebody in a very patient way, in a very gracious way, and in a very kind, loving, and supportive way. So let's take a look at how God actually deals with Gideon. Now, if we're looking at the Old Testament and relating the Old Testament to like the Avengers, you might have David as Iron Man. You might have Samson as the Hulk. Now, Gideon, Gideon just kind of strikes me as Hawkeye. Like there's, there's really nothing special about Hawkeye. Hawkeye is an Olympian and he's in really good shape. You all know Hawkeye, Arrow, shoo, all that. That's Hawkeye, right? Nobody grows up and says, man, I want to be Hawkeye. Like if you polled kids and did a survey, very few would respond Hawkeye is the Avenger that they most likely want to be like. But God uses him mightily and let's take a look at just how it happens. Now here as we pick up Judges 6, we see that Israel is doing what Israel loved to do, which is drop the ball and mess it up. 
just like us, right? They love to drop the ball. They love to mess it up. They love to slide off track. And then God lets them slide off track for a little while. And then God sends somebody back to them to say, hey, okay, let's move it on back to center. And so God sends a prophet and talks to them because they had been in the hands of the Midianite people who were taking just about everything that they were trying to grow and trying to produce. And they were left with almost nothing because anytime they had a little bit of something, the Midianite people would come in and come take it. Now, the angel of the Lord shows up and the angel of the Lord begins to speak to Gideon. And when he speaks to Gideon, Gideon replies and goes full Keith Paul Jason. Paul is my middle name. Now, what I mean by that is some of you all may know that I'm a Bears fan, right? You can boo me now. It's okay. All right. The Lord has finally delivered us from the reign of Jay Cutler. Thank God, right? Jay Cutler was an incredibly talented quarterback, but every once in a while he would go full Jay Cutler and just throw three, four, five, six interceptions in a game. And you would look at all the talent and go, man, what are you doing? And get frustrated. So the angel of the Lord comes and he tells Gideon that Gideon is going to be used to help deliver his people. And when we look at Judges 6 and 13, Gideon said to him, please, uh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where is all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian, not even realizing who he is talking to. So long story short, Gideon eventually figures out who he's talking to and feels dumb and he thinks he's about to die in the story. Because in the culture at that time, if you'd seen an angel of the Lord, that meant that time was about to be up. And so he gets scared, but God tells him in Judges 6 and 23, peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And so Gideon starts to have a little bit of trust, even with this fear that he is wrestling with. Now, the angel of the Lord then tells Gideon to go and destroy the, the altars for Baal, the gods that the people have begun to worship, and replace it with an altar for the Lord. And Gideon does it, but when we see in, Gideon, in Judges 6 and 27, so Gideon took men of his servants, and he did as the Lord told him, but what? Because he was too afraid, he did it at night. And the men of the town... He was because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day. He did it by night. And so he did what he was asked to do, but he did it with a fearful spirit. Then there's the whole fleecing incident after this area where he tears down all the, the altars. And there's another thing that God wants him to do. And he says, Lord, okay, like, that altar thing, we did that. Do you really need to keep using me for all this? He says, you know, I trust you, but, like, please be patient with me. When we're looking at verse 39, the first time he said, let me put this fleece on the ground, Lord. Be patient with me. And when I wake up in the morning, let this fleece be wet and let the ground be dry. So he wakes up in the morning and there's the case. He says, okay, Lord, that was cool and all. But let me see just one more thing here. Please be patient with me. And he see, asked the Lord to put the fleece on the ground again. 
let the ground be wet around him and let the fleece be dry. And so it happens. So Judges 6 and 39, the Gideon said to, to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test, test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only. And on, on the ground, let there be dew. God is like, all right, I'll do it. He's incredibly patient with Gideon. Then in the seventh chapter, we see what is one of the greatest miracles that is ever told in the Bible. Gideon assembles 32,000 people to take on the Midianites whose army was dumb big. You know, sometimes I wonder, this is just me being an extrovert for a moment. Sometimes I wonder, like, when I see people preaching and I see that they have a towel. And I wonder, like, is all that really necessary? And as I stand here right now with sweat coming down my face and getting into my eyes and making it hard to see what I'm reading, I realize, yeah, it's necessary. Um, so saying that to say this, uh, again, long story short, the Midianite army was dumb big. Only God decides that there's too many people would get, would get in. So they take this army of 32,000 people and they dwindle it down to just 300 people. And Gideon is like, I mean, okay. This is really, thank you so much. Y'all give it up for Cam. It helps. So the Lord has been dealing with Gideon for a little while now. He knows how Gideon operates. He knows how to get Gideon's attention. He knows how to put him in a situation to get the best results out of Gideon. And he tells him, here's what I want you to do. Let's look at seven and nine. The same night the Lord said to him, arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were with the camp. Now, when I grew up, they used to mess with me like, Keith, if you're scared, just say you're scared. You probably heard that before at some point in your life. If you're scared, just say you're scared. That's basically what God does to Gideon right here. Like, if you're scared, take Pearl with you. There's no discussion that is chronicled. There's no talk. There's no back and forth. It's just, and Gideon and Pearl went. So clearly, Gideon was frightened by the fact that he had to go down here and go do this. Long story short, again, Gideon goes down into the camp. He hears everything that he needs to hear what's about to happen. And he comes back and he says, all right, fellas, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to go get the victory. And guess what? That's what they did. That's how they went and got the victory. I said in the beginning that I've struggled with the fact that I'm a fearful, sometimes scary dude. And as a Christian, that can be hard. I've been encouraged by the fact that looking at Gideon, 
he too was kind of a scary dude. And that while there are all, all these ideas out there about how fear and faith don't mix, what I've come to learn by looking at this story is that God is where fear and faith meet. There are times when we might be afraid of things. There are times when we might be scared to address a certain thing that we feel God leading us in a certain direction to go do. But when I tell you he absolutely loves those moments and loves to show up in your life and loves to encourage you throughout that process. Now, when I say God is where fear and faith meet, why am I talking about this on Father's Day? Because we live in a society where fathers kind of get a bad rap, sometimes for earned reasons, sometimes for other reasons. But they leave a mark similar to the way a lot of times, like my parents left on me. And even when that is the case, God can still show up, still be the one to prove himself mighty and still be the one to prove himself strong in your life. Now, I know some of you may be looking at me like, Keith, I don't struggle with any of those things. Cool. Maybe you don't. But I think if we're honest, to a certain extent, all of us have a little bit of scary dude in us. Can we agree? A little bit. Some of us have things that we wished we would have done 20, 30, 40 years ago, but we have never done because of the fear, because of the lack of putting trust in God. Some of us are in the position that we're in right now, not going any further because we are not willing to open ourselves up and let God do the very thing that he needs to do to get us where he needs us to go. And today can be a day where you look at the Lord and say, you know what? If God can do it for Gideon, if God can do it for the scary dude on the stage, maybe God can do it for me too. One of the things that encouraged me so much about the story in Gideon, I kind of skipped over it earlier, is that Gideon's father was a very rich man. Gideon's father was obviously a man of influence in their community. In God asking Gideon to go and do what he did and be faithful to the calling that he had been given, God actually caused Gideon's father to come to his senses. When, Gideon, when God sees, or when his father sees Gideon doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Because when they tore down the altar, the people wanted to kill Gideon. But Gideon's father speaks up and says, you know what? If Baal is a real God, let him fight for himself. But y'all not going to touch my son today. And it helped not only Gideon's family, but people throughout the entire community begin to get back on track with what God is going on. What would happen in our lives if we began to really trust God with those things that we fear most? What would happen in our lives, in our communities, in our families, if we began to trust God to the point where we can say, you know what, I will name this fear, and between you and I, Lord, we'll take it on. And not just between you and I, Lord, but when 
God needed to get to Gideon at the last time, he sent somebody along with him. Here at the church, we've got this amazing men's ministry that meets every Saturday at 7 a.m. at the roasting plant, bi-monthly at Tim Sparks' house. Is Tim here? I don't see Tim. But thank God for Tim Sparks, man, and opening his home up for us. And I can tell you this. I have learned to get better with addressing fears because of the fellowship with the men that are in the church and growing and learning together. And it has been the way that God has gotten me through a lot of the things that I've been the most fearful about over the last two or three years. And so all I'm saying is this. With God, he is where fear and faith meet. There are some people here today who are dealing with fears. I know you are. And we have these, this thing prepared here somewhere. Um, what we're going to do, if you read the rest of the story, what happens with Gideon is they go and they take, um, they have a torch, they have a jar. And when Gideon gives them the sign, they all break the jar. And the jar confused is being broken and the shouting it confuses the Midianite camp and what happens is they get so confused that they end up just like offing each other because they don't know what's going on God had told Gideon that when you do this you're going to strike Midian like one man and like one man they fell saw a great knockout last night in the boxing ring in the first round body shot oh my goodness like Gerald McClellan style just sent him to his knees and the fight was over same thing happened with the Midianite. The only Midianites, the only difference is the Midianites never got up. All right? Some of us are in one of those situations now where we're fearful, where we have some things that we need to address, and we are sick and tired of dealing with this fear. In just a few moments here, we've got these plates. We didn't want to get jars. Plates are a little bit more... Um, inexpensive. So what we're going to do here is use plates. All the men of the church, if you could stand up at this time, and some of the women who are dealing with fear too, what we're going to do is we're going to take these plates and we're going to write on these plates one of the fears that we're willing to take ownership of. And then in just a few minutes, we're going to go out here and Sonny's going to help us and we're going to take these plates and we're going to break them. Symbolically of the fact that I am willing to, I see some people are like, we're going to break plates. <laughs> now don't get me wrong, I've been in services where they talk about the people marched around the wall of Jericho seven times, and then the wall of Jericho fell, and we're going to march around this church, and then this is going to happen on the seventh time. I'm not treating this like it's a magic trick. But in the very same way last week that we baptized people in the Detroit River when the water was like negative 30. Because it was a public profession of an inward faith. We're going to take these plates and we are going to make a public profession of the inward faith that we have. That God, while I may have been struggling with this, through you, your power, I can break the power of this fear in my life. Thanks for listening to the Detroit Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and rate. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for Detroit Church.